Again, I hope you understand that what I have for you this morning is some information that the eldership thinks is vital for you to hear. Here it is. Tomorrow is my birthday. <laughs> uh, that's not really... Uh, well, all I can tell you is that those things, those birthdays, are, they're really adding up. And when the total of those things uh, gets to where my total is, people begin to wonder and they begin to ask, when is that guy going to retire? Well, the elders have asked me to make you aware of several things this morning, but only one of which has to do with my retirement. The hope is that this information will give you a better feel for some of the things that are going on in your church and will take you to the place of great praise and thanksgiving for the God who's made it possible. First, the elders are quite aware of my accumulating birthdays. So to try and best prepare for the inevitable, about two and a half years ago, they began to work on planning ahead for that inevitable. So for the past two and a half years, they have put together three, basically three documents, two plans and one profile. Let me tell you about those. One of the plans is an emergency plan, should an emergency arise in terms of pastoral leadership. The second document that they have put together is a succession plan, um, which is to be used uh, when the time comes for me to retire. Um, But before they ever worked on either of those those plans, they reiterated their, their unanimous support for where this church is theologically in her core values and in her mission statement. Those things are inviolable. But in addition to the plans, they put together one more document. It was a profile, a profile of a man that they would ultimately look for as senior pastor number two. Ladies and gentlemen, anything but falling asleep at the wheel, they have crafted three documents, two plans and a profile, (coughs) which they will give to a pulpit committee to guide them when that need eventuates. But for the foreseeable future, neither the elders nor I think that that time has come. (laughs) That's, uh, That's unnecessary, but it certainly is better than booing. Now, guys, um, I hope that the, the next sentence is, would go without saying. But you, you've got to understand this. We are not in control. God may choose to do things that are, that are unpredictable, which he often does. But to the degree that the plans can be made and put in place, Whatever needed to be, do, to be done has been done by the leadership of your church. But for now, we're hoping that that announcement can take this elephant that's in the room 
and move him to the back of the room and we can proceed. Speaking of proceeding, let me ask you to take your copies of God's Word and open them with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. (coughs) Pardon me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you follow as I read just a, a brief portion of God's Word. Beginning at verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. Guys, as we prepare to meet at this table in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, I wanted to draw your attention to something that Jesus said on the night that this sacrament was instituted. I wondered if you noticed it. It's very simple, but it is oh so profound. It's in verse 24. He states this, um, and when he had given thanks, (laughs) and he he broke the bread. We're told here that before he broke the bread, he gave thanks. We're told in Matthew and Mark that before he delivered the cup, he he offered thanks. Um, So on twice... In this sacramental meal, Jesus brings thanksgiving and mixes it into the whole experience of enjoying this sacrament. Now, that begs two questions. First of all, who is this that did that? Well, that's the second person of the Trinity. And he sees fit to express thanks to his Father. Um, God the Son brings thanks to God the Father as he institutes the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Now, gang, we don't have time to consider all the Trinitarian implications of that. For now, just notice this. Jesus offers thanks. Thanks for what? For what was Jesus thanking his Father? We're not told. And I, for one, am glad we're not. Because if we had been given a specific, we would, I think, concentrate on the specific when the intent of the passage is that you and I are to have a life that is rich, that that is rich and far-reaching and all-inclusive in terms of thanksgiving. Gang, do you understand why thanksgiving is so important? Here's one of the reasons. When we thank, what we're doing is recognizing that we're not the giver, we're the receiver. Somebody else gave, we received, and now we respond in thanksgiving. Again, consider this passage. This is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. A portion of it says this. Giving thanks always and for everything. (laughs) Giving thanks always. And for everything. Did you know that was in the Bible? 
Folks, if there was not one other command in the Bible that, that exposed our sin, if we had obeyed everything else, that one thing would do us in. Giving thanks always and for everything. Um, <clears throat> there's another statement that I, that I wanted to include. This is, this is something that Paul says to the Colossian church. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding. Abounding in thanksgiving. That's what you see taking place when Jesus is thanking his father twice. He's abounding in thanksgiving. And this specific time that he's doing it is related to this supper. Now, gang, all of that that I've just said brings me to the second announcement that the elders wanted me to make this morning. Recently, the elders became aware of something that they felt you needed to see and to know. It had to do with missions giving. Now, let me explain. Could I have the first slide? Gang, you may not know exactly what that says, but what it says is this. Your church tithes. Now, that's not a word that I use very much because I really think um, that if Paul had meant for a percentage to guide our giving, he would have given it to us in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He never does. (coughs) But a tithe is a good... It's a good place to start. It's a good uh, guide. But your church sees it as nothing else, as a starting point of giving. Every dime that comes into this church, 10% of it is given away. If we take up um, $100,000 today, then $10,000 of that on Monday morning will be taken out, put it into an entirely separate account, that is managed by the Grace Venture Strategy Committee. Now, gang, maybe you don't know about that, but if you are a part of the present Grace Venture Committee or have ever been on that committee, I'd like for you to stand. Come on. Okay. Now, gang, uh, stay up. you got to stay up with me now, are you? Folks, your church tithes, That money goes into an account. That account is managed, not by me, but by the Grace Venture Committee that is comprised of 12 members, three elders, and is led by Jonathan Todd. So those 16 people take these monies. By the way, that's what they were given this past year. $480,826 that they manage. Don't sit down just yet. Now, one of the primary vehicles through which they spend that money is something that we call MITs, Ministry Initiative Teams. If you are ahead of an MIT, would you please stand? Do you see right over here that we have two high schoolers that are ahead of an MIT? Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that that money is managed and and in large measure spent through these people, not by me, through this portion of the body of Christ right here in front of you. Don't sit down yet. Now, 
In addition to that 480,000, could I have slide number two? There is also another, I've lost the envelope. Um, there's another, there it is. Um, thank you, Vanna. Uh, uh, uh. There is another form of giving that people give beyond their normal sacrificial giving. They get, have you ever seen this? This is an envelope called the Grace Venture Fund. And so beyond their normal sacrificial giving, this past year, they gave another $227,000 and $989. Now, that adds up to about $708,000. That is in slide one and slide two. That is managed, not by me, but by the Grace Venture Committee through MIT's $780,000. All right, thank you and be seated. Now, one more slide. Actually, um, yes, one more slide. Or two, there's two more slides, but gang, um, in some years, not every year, but in some years, there is a surplus giving over budgetary needs like this past year. So in addition to that $780,000 that I just showed you in slide one and two, this year, because of monies given beyond budgetary needs, another $200,000 was given away. And that too was not managed by me, but by the elders on the evangelism zone of Grace Event. So, could I have the final slide? That, ladies and gentlemen, $908,815 was given away to mission causes both locally and globally. The elders thought you needed to see that. They thought you needed to understand just how committed this church is um, to accomplishing the Great Commission via your participation in missions giving. Our hope was that your hearts would swell with praise and thanksgiving to the God who has made all of this possible by providing for us individually so wonderfully, but then prompting in the hearts of God's people the willingness to live sacrificially so they can give more, living simply so they can give more sacrificially so that the Great Commission can be accomplished. Guys, we hoped that armed with this information, you could now come to this table with thanksgiving like Jesus did (laughs) gang beyond the mundane issues of my retirement and even that money spread on this table are symbols of the indescribable gift that God has given so that sinners like us could be forgiven 
and enjoyed an eternity of felicity and bliss. And so, my brother and sister in Christ, join me, will you? Meet me at the table with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Our Father, would you, um, would you remind your people that everything that we have, we first got from you. That the great giver is not us. It's not this church. It's you. You are the one who has seen fit to lavish us with all kindness. And so, Lord, as we arrive at this table today, might your people's hearts be moved with thanksgiving as we remember your great kindnesses to us. We ask all this, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.